most of the mistakes you make as a cop are not, you know, like I said, you're not sending somebody to jail unlawfully. You're not beating somebody up. You're not, you know, you made a mistake, you paperwork problem, gun, you know, whatever. Everybody does it. Everybody. But it shouldn't be something that you start to be harassed over. It shouldn't be. They use those things to come after you because everybody does make mistakes. But how come they're seeing your mistakes and not anybody else's mistakes? Hey, guys, check out the 2023 Street Cop Conference, April 23rd through the 28th, Gaylord Convention Center. It's going to be the event of the year. Keynote speakers include Rob O'Neill, the guy who killed bin Laden, Kyle Carpenter, the youngest living Medal of Honor recipient, Navy SEAL Jason Redmond, Fox News host Tommy Laren, Marine Corps Special Forces and Leadership Coach Cody Alford, Sheriff Wayne Ivey, Sheriff David Clark, and Sheriff Mark Lamb. It's going to be one hell of an event. And on top of that, we have all of our instructors and additional instructors from other companies going to be at the event, giving you everything they know for you to have a successful career and get the results you want to get in the field as a police officer. On top of attending the event, you'll get face-to-face time with every instructor attending the event, and all the keynote speakers will spend time with you. We got special events all week, giveaways, nightlife. It's going to be really, really worth your time, energy, and effort. I promise you, you will not regret it for a second. To register for the conference, check out streetcop.com, click conference, and everything you need will be there on the homepage. If you are looking for a room, just click book a room. The block has been sold out at the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. But there are many hotels nearby within a walking distance of the event. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. We will see you there. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Street Cop Training Podcast. My host, founder and CEO of Street Cop Training. My name is Dennis Benino. And back joining us again, Bridget Truxillo. She is your favorite attorney, former police officer, and ready to go after your administration at the beckoning call of summoning this giant in the legal industry. I'm just kidding. We're just trying to get everybody to stop getting fucked with and stop being sexually harassed by these people who have, um, who essentially should take their dicks and go somewhere else outside of the confines of the police department. Uh, you know, it's wild. I, it's Ugh. so insane to me. I, the stories that I hear, I continue to hear. Oh, man. It's it's like I went to a police academy graduation yesterday. I could feel like some of the hate towards me that was there. Because what we're saying is we're holding you accountable, right? At, you're going to be the chief. You better behave, right? You're going to be the captain up there. Mm-hmm. You should behave. You should actually be the example for how people should behave. And this shouldn't be just your realm to do as you please, however you want or try to take advantage of unassuming, younger, um, unknown, uh, unknowing, innocent little victims in your sphere of uh, influence, quote unquote, I guess. So, uh, hey, thanks for coming back. What are we talking about today? You are very welcome. Uh, thanks for having me back. I enjoyed our conversation last time. Um, you know, I, ha- I did have, after my, our last conversation, I had somebody reach out to me saying they just listened to the conversation and they loved it with you and I, which, how could you not? And, <laughs> um, and you know, a female who was dealing with um, disparate treatment, basically. And, you know, I get a lot of questions. That's why you and I preparing for today, like, decide what to talk about. I mean, I just get more and more common theme questions, but it's oftentimes number one, um, is this something that I can do something? Can I do something about it? And then number two, which is, I think the more difficult part is deciding to do something about it. Um, Deciding that you want to rock the boat, deciding that you want to actually report it to HR or file an EEOC claim. And, you know, and I explain to people what their options are. Um, but I think a lot of times, you know, the first, thing, and this is what I tell people all the time, if just to jump right into it, if you think that you're dealing with some type of harassment, discrimination, disparate treatment, whether that's because you're female, black, gay, lesbian, pregnant, whatever, um, first of all, start writing that down, start writing down what you think is wrong. But then second, you can't wait too long to do something about it. Because the girl that reached out to me after listening to your podcast, one of the biggest problems she was facing is that the inc- the incident happened a year ago. And I can tell you right now, there's almost nothing you can do about that if you wait a year. In certain circumstances, and as a lawyer, I'll say, well, there's, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. But 
if something's is to the point where you think you need to ask somebody about it, because as cops, we don't ever want to admit that we need help on something, especially if it might show that you, you think that it will show that you have a weakness in some way or will make it worse for you or get you kicked off your special unit. Like I, you know, I was on SWAT team. I wouldn't have ever wanted to tell my Lieutenant that I didn't like how I was being treated. I eventually did. And that didn't go well, but you have to do something about it much sooner rather than later. So you don't lose your chance at the end of the day, you can always report it to your department period. And then if they treat you differently because of that, you can do something about it, sort of like that That restarts the clock. If you report, oh, I was harassed a year ago, and then you get transferred out of your unit, or they start investigating you for something, or they, then you have retaliation, you start to create issues like hostile work environment. So there are options to if you do something about it. But my advice to anybody and everybody is, if you get if you are to the point where you want to ask somebody if this if you could do something about it, then more than likely you can do something about it. Does not mean it's going to be easy, but at least report it to somebody. Um, I have a client who just recently reported it reported to a sergeant as she was supposed to talk to a sergeant. I think I'm having this problem. What do I do? And the sergeant says, thank you for telling me. Do you want, but, you know, do you want me to do something about this? And she said, no, I just am afraid. I don't want to get fired. If I, you know, if I report this, well, I'll get fired and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually the sergeant ended up reporting it anyway. She ended up getting fired for reporting it, but hence why I now represent her. Um, but the main thing is just, there's too many hard things you face in this job and don't let the shit that you put up within your own department make it harder for you. And if you're wondering, like I tell people all the time, I offer free 15 minute calls. You can call me and I'll tell you, no, you don't have a case. Here's why. Or yes, you do have a case, whether you hire me or somebody else, you know, but, but get the answers you need so that it doesn't keep festering inside your own brain. You know, if people are afraid of getting fired, maybe hear me out on this a little bit. Do you think it's a good idea to try to formulate an exit plan before they start pushing the envelope forward? And the reason I say this is I will have people that'll say to me like, hey, they're coming after me. Hey, I know I have a target on my back. Hey, anything that I do, I know they're going to write me up. I know this guy's coming in. They're all coming after me right now. My advice to people is, you know, you probably are better off shot of leaving, even if in the interim you have to uh, have some kind of hiatus and not be employed as a law enforcement officer rather than getting fired. Because I would rather have a, listen, this was going on. They were going to come after me after three years of flawless work and sully my name and reputation. So this way you remove, and it's, it's scary, right? People are like, well, what am I going to do for benefits? Like you're probably going to survive for three to five months before, while well, you figure it out. Here's some other advice. We're in a state of affairs right now in law enforcement where you have a lot of options. Some of those options may require you to be a little uncomfortable. You might have to move if you plan on staying in law enforcement again, but there are agencies out there that will welcome you with warm arms. I remember my friend, Mike, who's a chief here. He said, uh, hey, we got this guy's applying. Do you know who he is? That it, uh, If he was fired for some bullshit, he's like, we can understand that. He's like, we know the games these other fucks play. Right. So he's like, I don't have a problem with hiring somebody who was fired on some bullshit because I can I can stand behind that because I know the games that that agency plays with people and how like once they hear you're trying to leave, they start fucking hammering you down 10 day suspensions, 20 to keep you to stay to retain the body. To me, it's just like the most gut wrenching, sad. I just they're wrecking people's lives without any recourse. Um, I hate the bulliness of it. It's wild to me. So. My advice to people is like, you know, take control of your situation in the sense that you might have to depart in the time being. That girl now has to explain to another agency, you know, that she yeah. was fired, where I would have certainly thought yeah. that not that it's not the end of the world for her, but especially, you know, and then it's another thing, right? Like now you're coming back from being fired to get somebody to take a, a, a you know, a, a risk on you. You have retained legal counsel. You have a pending lawsuit against your last agency. They're going to now look at you as what? Like a risk. You know, they're look, I, just call it like it yeah. is. I'm not saying you shouldn't follow up with the attorney and everything, but just, and I'm not saying you should not let the circumstances or the consequences of what you're going to do dictate what you should do. 
But these are things you have to understand when you're saying to an attorney like Bridget, hey, I want to move forward with this. Understand that, yeah, things are going to change then. And you're lucky if they don't. I've actually seen it sometimes where when somebody's retained an attorney before reporting somebody, which I think is a significantly better option to do, because then the attorney can literally mm-hmm. represent this person while they're in rank and file. And I mean, I started playing that game at some point in my career. I'm like, you could just speak with my attorney. That's all. I, there's nothing to talk about between you and I. We'll just we'll just have our attorneys talk. So that's a fun little game that people start getting scared over when they know that somebody else is watching and it's an attorney and it's a reputable attorney. What's your thoughts on some of the things that I said? Well, I totally agree with you. Um, and I live in Texas. I was employed in the state. Of, I was a cop in Florida, a deputy sheriff, actually. Um, but you know that when you leave your agency, and pretty much every state is like this, just variations of it. Your agency has to report that separation somehow because they're the ones that bond you. You know, like I say, you go to the police academy, you graduate, fine, you have the you the state, you take your test, how, however it works where you live. But you still have to have an agency that bonds you to actually be, you know, have the right to carry a, a gun and shoot it, tase people, fight people without the normal, because otherwise you'd get arrested for all those things. You can't shoot somebody as a civilian. You can't tase people as a civilian. You can't pepper spray people as a civilian, all that stuff. So that agency has a requirement to report your separation. And it's whether that's honorable, dishonorable, or just general. Like that's what the classifications are in Texas where I live now. The second you get fired, almost 100% of the time, unless you have some type of, I don't know why they would do it any other way. If they're firing you, you get a dishonorable discharge. And most agencies will that you're trying to get a job with will look at that and say, well, you know, what the, what is this about? What's this story? Normally, and I tell people this, and my coach, my business coach is always like, Bridget, stop giving away the, the farm. Like, I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay, can I just jump in you real quick and tell your business have coach? have to file in most states. Wait, can I just jump in real quick and say your business coach couldn't be more wrong about that? As a matter of fact, I think you should give away the farm. Well, that's why I'm with you because I want to help. You know that that's why you know I, I want to help. And what I will say is if you are going to make a claim, first up is always report it to your department. And that's when the shitstorm starts. Should you have a plan before that starts? Yes. Should you hire somebody like me to start advising you on how you should say things, when you should say things, be, make you aware of how it's going to go? Even if all I'm doing is giving you the language to use when you respond to an email or draft your statement, because I think people can tell based upon how something's written, even if it's not a letter from me. Like, for example, I my client was fired. She's having to request all all of her paperwork so we can get things, our ducks in a row for what we're going to follow, whatever, because you know, like you said, like they all of a sudden she's in trouble all the time. She has an eight year career and nothing ever was wrong until six months ago with this relatively new chief. So you have to start documenting that. So I, she was requesting something in the HR. And unfortunately, this is the other thing to know. Most human resource people are un, are un, not trained enough, underpaid, and don't have really can hardly grasp the 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 um this the seriousness of what their job is because they're not trained enough so keep that in mind you're like well the hr said this and normally i'm like i don't give i don't care what the hr person said because they probably don't know their job and it's not that person's fault because the people who hired them aren't training them anyway so they're like not giving it not giving it to her and i was like finally we we talked through my portal and i'm just like quote i need you to copy and paste this exactly into your email and she said really i said yes really that you're, you know, you you need to request this. I'm requesting this. You're you're you are continuing to subject me to further intentional infliction and negligent infliction of emotional distress. And I'm sure this is not how you would care to proceed. Please provide this information as soon as possible. Lo and behold, she got it the next day. So I think the people who read this information know when you have an attorney. So yes, you should. The first step is reporting it to HR, but you should have some pay the money to have somebody like me represent you. The number of people that call me want help. I give them a little bit. Yes, you need to do something about this. Here's how much it costs to hire me. Here's how long I will make myself available to you, you know, during this like six months or 12 months, depending on what's going on. If we, if you retain me for this and, and then they don't, and then they, and then they shit storm hits the fan and they're screwed. So yes, you need to be very clear. I ask all my clients, what do you want out of this? Do you want them to like you? That's not going to happen. 
Do you want the promotion you want? Do you want the harassment to stop? Do you want to just leave? Do you want everybody to just decide that you need to leave? But depending on how bad it's been, you don't you might not want to let them quote unquote get away with it. But I can also say there's a reason I'm not in, in plaintiffs like uh, uh, personal injury litigation because I don't think people should sue as much as they do, which would makes would make me a really poor personal injury lawyer. Um, but because think about what you really want to do. A, a like you said, if you sue your department, you are going to have problems getting another job. I'm not saying you shouldn't sue your department, but I'm saying nobody's going to hire you while that's on the books, or it, it's unlikely they'll hire you. But like you said. Every, almost every agency in this country is short-staffed. So it's a good time to move. You're going to have options. And that's what I think. You stay in a job and you keep thinking, well, it'll get better. If I keep working hard, it'll get better. If I keep working hard, it'll get better. And I don't like to be a Debbie Downer about things. I call myself positive Polly. But it's nice to meet you, sometimes Polly. you just got to move on. Yeah, thank you. Um, sometimes you just got to cut bait and move on. Find yourself a new fishing hole because it's, I can tell you from my experience is that it's not going to change and you get to, but you get to control your life. And this is, this is definitely a way that you can take control back is you do not have to sit there and just take it. But I absolutely agree that consulting, consulting with somebody like me or just doing your homework on, you know, what is it you really want? What will happen when you do this? The bigger your agency, the more likely you will suffer less consequences internally from my experience of talking with people across the country and just anyway. So the smaller your department, the more screwed you will be. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I say this often, I try to give people the advice to go elsewhere and there's often some pushback on it. And the reason I give this advice and the advice that I give like making passenger side approaches instead of driver side approaches, because what you don't understand, uh, the audience, some of you understand, some of you don't, is that I get feedback. And the feedback is my advice is working. It's saving lives. It's saving jobs. And the reality is you don't get a choice to design what reality is. Reality is reality. So what I'm saying to you, you're going to have no police career. So you've got two options. Either you're going to get the hell out of Dodge and go somewhere else where you're probably appreciated and at least get a fresh start. Or you're going to be never be a cop again in your life. And I've seen it. I'm doing, I'm in this game 22 plus years. I'm watching these men and women um, shoot themselves in the foot, keep telling themselves this bullshit lie. Things are going to get better. They're going to leave me. It's just my time in the hopper or the mm -hmm. grinder. They're just sitting there waiting. You know, they're just waiting for you to trip and fall and they're going to pounce on you. And it doesn't take much for an agency to get creative with the 19,000 SOPs that are designed to do anything they can to leverage a, a termination against you. So for me, like, if that's the way it feels, I'm not saying like the very second you get your first reprimand, it's time to fucking pull the plug. It's like, man, shit's brewing here. You know, people have to be aware that the games are being conjured up behind closed doors and they're getting ready to attack. If you're feeling that, I know it sucks. People are like, oh, well, the off-duty work's good here. There's going to be no off-duty work, right? The schedule's good here. There's going to be no schedule. You're going to be without a job. And I've seen it. So many times, and people write to me, especially after episodes like this, I'll get messages on Instagram. Hey, man, or an email. You were right. I wish more people would know. Uh, it happened to me. I wish I would have heard this sooner. Yeah, man, we're around. We've been around a while. Uh, we know the games that are played, and it's sad, but it's true. And look, man, even to my detriment, I come out here saying these things, and that's why these administrations get mad at me because I'm calling them out for the misbehavior. You got a problem, employee? That's one thing. You got attorneys like Bridget who are honestly, I've got a funny feeling Bridget will actually call out a problem employee and say, like, you realize you were a fucking problem, right? Like, let's call it like it is. Uh, I mean, have a, when I was leaving my agency, they, they wanted me to see a therapist or whatever. And she's like, look, your situation's fucked up. Right. Um, and, you know, you're the injury and the whole mind. She goes and, uh, you know, but I get people who come in here and like I'm trying to tell them, like, you're the problem. You're the fucking problem. Do you realize that? It's not your company. It's you. You you deserve this. We had a guy. I know a guy. Oh, shit. I should probably keep this as vague as possible. So I know a dude who was literally fired three times. And, you know, on the third time, it's like he's looking around like. Oh, woe is me. I'm like, bro, you're the problem. You know what I mean? Like, let's tell us. Let's, let's face facts. 
Yeah. Who got fired from three different agencies that gave you different chances every single time? It's you. It's not them. It's you. You're the problem. Uh, but that's few and far between. You know what I mean? Like I usually, you see it. It's not, there are people who are problematic. Like there's no question about it. Don't kid yourself. Ask 10 people if you're the fucking problem. Sometimes, sometimes if you ask myself, I'm like, why the fucking problem here? Like I got to ask people that I, that I confide in. Did I do something wrong? Um, so, you know, it, it's tough <laughs> advice. People don't want to ingest it, but it is truth. And uh, it does hurt, but it is the truth. And then there's nothing you can, you can do to change that. Like you said that they'll just get there and keep taking it. You know, I said it, I did it. I kept doing it every day. I'm like, okay, it'll get better tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. Oh, today sucked. I got in trouble again. It'll get, I'm just going to prove to them. I'll, you know, I'm going to hold my head up high and, and, you know, I'm going to just show them it'll get better that someday they'll respect the work I'm doing. I mean, when I was on SWAT team, like all I, all I wanted was just for them to respect me as a SWAT operator. That's all I wanted. I'm like, okay, it'll get better. Okay. It'll get better, but it just never gets better. And many reasons, nobody's teaching these supervisors how to supervise. Nobody's teaching these sergeants and lieutenants how to really be good at leading people. It's, it's more work. It's harder to teach people how to be good at that than it is just to let this crap continue on. And I don't think that's exclusive to law enforcement. I mean, I've had certainly many other jobs since then. And I think that's just a fact of life as most people are never trained on how to really do the work to supervise and develop people to make other leaders within your team. I mean, the goal should be to have people grow beyond what you could even do for them. And they don't get that. So, and then that's the other thing to keep in mind is if you don't report something, do they even know that there's a problem? If you don't report that your sergeant is making, you know, doing X, Y, Z, do you know that they know that? Because you also, you can never assume. I mean, we all know what the, the word assume does to people. I mean, with that, you know, you're making an ass out of you and me. So you can never just assume that the agency is aware of how people are acting and that they're okay with it. I mean, those are two big assumptions. Um, I don't, in fact, I think, I tell clients this all the time, like nobody's really sitting around thinking about you. And I don't mean that to make you less special. What I mean is so many times people go through a hard time and they want somebody, they don't want to say anything or they want, they're hoping that somebody that they work with that they think they can trust will stand up for them. Or they, uh, somebody's going to push back and say, Hey, dude, you know, stop doing that. That's stupid. That's not going to happen. It's just not. Everybody wants to keep their job. Nobody wants to be the, that's not, not never. I mean, I'll just say that. Maybe you have a Gandhi on your squad somewhere. But for the most part, everybody is CYA. That's just how we're wired. And it doesn't, it's not having to do with you. It's just how people are. And you're going to leave and the shit's going to hit the storm. And then the story's going to start to come out. And the people that you thought see this over and over and over again, the people that you thought were your friends, you think, well, oh my gosh, I just read the file. And I realized Johnny said so-and-so about me. And I thought he was somebody I could trust all the time. I see that it is a hundred percent in your power to do what you need to do for you. It is 0% in anybody else's on anybody else's radar. If something needs to be done for you. You're going to quit and the shit's going to hit the storm and you're going to start to hear these stories and then you're going to start to hear it and it's going to start to hurt your feelings and it's going to hurt how you thought all these people were on your side. And then you're going to think, well, they weren't on my side. Well, no, it's just that they're not going, they don't want to get fired. They want to keep their job. They want to stay as a sergeant. They want to keep that special unit. Like I, So the point being that my point is always to clients. It is a hundred percent up to you. You have to hundred percent do the hard work. Know that it will get worse before it gets better. Know that you're going to find out a bunch of stuff that's going to hurt your feelings. And all these guys out there are like, I don't get my feelings hurt. Yes, you do. Big fat liar. Everybody gets their feeling hurt. So everybody's going to be upset with what they thought. The guy, my buddies, my guys, my bros. I was reading this morning. Um, it's a book. Oh, I can't remember. Adam somebody 365 daily devotions for law enforcement and today it was about like the brotherhood and how you always have your brothers and and no matter you can leave the job but you still have your brothers and I'm I'm thinking that I'm reading that thinking I don't that's not true I do have like one friend I keep in touch with we were on the narcotics unit together but he also didn't tell anybody to leave me alone when we were on the narcotics unit together and my sergeant who was also my SWAT team captain 
didn't wouldn't leave me alone. Like, no, we're still friends, but you know, that wasn't his job. So anyway, my point being, yes, you could maintain some friends. There are good apples in every bunch, but there's also just a bunch of dumb apples. So do what you need to do for you. I'm gonna keep saying that. It gets you you I say this all the time too. You chose a job that's hard, like in so many ways. So you can't, you shouldn't, and and don't be afraid of the next hard thing. It's disappointing that your agency would do that, but it happens all the time. And obviously you're okay with doing hard things. So just make this one other thing that's hard and, you know, rip the bandaid off. I'm, I'm that type anyway. I'm just rip the bandaid off. One thing you said too, Dan, is um, people make mistakes. I tell clients this all the time. If I'm talking to somebody and say, yeah, there's not really anything you can do about that. Um, or some random person listens to a podcast who's not a cop. And they're like, well, I was walking through my job the other day and this guy was whistling at me. And like, yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. I tell people all the time, you are, you made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Your mistake didn't send somebody to jail unlawfully. Your mistake didn't get anybody killed. Your mistake just came across the radar of some sergeant or lieutenant or chief that doesn't like you for some reason. And then all of a sudden they get a burr up their ass and it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. People are going to make mistakes. You touch a gun, you pick up a gun and you don't have gloves on. So, you know, your fingerprints are on it. Okay. Uh, you know, don't do that again. But is that worth tanking an eight-year career when you've never done that before? It's not like you have a habit of tainting evidence and ruining the chain of custody on it. No, you don't. So, that's what people say. Oh, they're right. I made a mistake. Oh, they're right. I made a mistake. Oh, they're right. I told myself that for two and a half years. Oh, you're right. I made a mistake. I'll get better tomorrow. Oh, you're right. I get made. A okay. I'll do those 500 mountain climbers because I made a mistake. And eventually you're like, fuck off. And, and I quit. I don't regret that because I'm here today to help. And I can help, I think in a lot of ways, because I understand it. I've been through it and now I'm an attorney and I can tell you all the ways that you can help yourself in ways that I didn't know when I was a cop. But yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Big deal. Hopefully, you know, I'll be the first one to say, oh yeah, you're, you're in the criminal representation area and I don't do that. Good luck. I can help you find someone. Um, but most of the mistakes you make as a cop are not, you know, like I said, you're not sending somebody to jail unlawfully. You're not beating somebody up. You're not, you know, you made a mistake, you paperwork problem, you know, whatever. Everybody does it. Everybody. But it shouldn't be something that you start to be harassed over. It shouldn't be. They use those things to come after you because everybody does make mistakes. But how come they're seeing your mistakes and not anybody else's mistakes? How come they're investigating you for, quote unquote, gossiping when the dude on your shift gossips every single day in front of the sergeant, but they don't write him up for it? So it, mistakes are mistakes, but don't let that be a reason to start feeling like you're getting beat down when the job already beats you down. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the Street Cop Podcast, do us a favor and go give us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Tell a friend. We don't charge anything for the episodes. We appreciate your support. Check us out on any social platform by putting into the search bar, Street Cop Training. Give us a follow. We have a lot of free content coming out every single day that you might not catch here on the podcast, and it's important for you to be able to do your job more professionally, and we also entertain you as well. Quitters are winners, and winners know when to quit. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Unpack that one after the uh, podcast. Think about that one a little bit. And I can't say that I'm the one who quoted that. I just constantly educate. And I've heard that over and over again by Seth Godin. So it's an interesting thing because you have to know when to quit. And people who know when to quit, know when it's time to quit, are actual winners. So the typical saying is winners never quit, quitters never win. That's actually not true. Um, so stop telling yourself these romantic, uh, novelistic, fables from American history or the history of the humanity that essentially, yeah, those apply in some circumstances, right? Those certainly apply in certain, some circumstances. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I like that one. But again, these aren't going to be 100% blanket sayings that you need to follow because your grandpappy tells you that while you're having a Budweiser tall boy on the dock fishing for fucking crabs. The people in your life who care about you the most think they have the best advice for you. And often it's typically the worst. Try to find the advice that speaks to you and that you're believing to be truthful when you hear it for yourself. I'm going to go back a little bit to 
these leaders and how their behavior is creating this horrific environment. And, you know, even outside of law enforcement. And one of the biggest things, and I've said this for years, one of the biggest problems with law enforcement is unlike private business, not talking about corporate, I'm talking about private business. Uh, you work for Bridget Truxillo, you work for Dennis Benino. You're not getting paid if you don't perform. Could you imagine if we said to law enforcement leadership supervisors, if you fail to lead, you're going to be demoted. If you fail to lead, you're not getting paid. We're going to review this every week. If you're failing as a leader, we're going to send you back to the rank and file. As a matter of fact, we can't even have you here anymore because we don't want any of that. Could you imagine how different mm. they would behave if you actually said, you're not just going to get paid? Think about how law enforcement would act in general mm -hmm. if you had to earn your money. And it's the, one of the biggest detriments to the public work is you don't really have to perform. You just have to show up and breathe and not get in trouble, basically as a criminal. And mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Anything else you do is, and then you toss in the mix uh, these essential croutons of people, quote unquote, where they give a fuck. They have a brain. They're thoughtful thinkers. They want to be good leaders. And, you know, I, I I said this to my VP this morning. I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm just this person living in everybody else's world of my independent thoughts, intelligence, and common sense. Mm -hmm. And because I'm so different, that I don't fit in a lot of places until I find other people who are just like me. And we say, is it just us or are we just out of our goddamn minds? And when we talk about these leaders on the surface, they may seem like, well, let me use leaders very loosely. They may mm -hmm. seem like they're very steadfast and profound, but the reality is, is I think they're emotionally unstable, right? You really think about it. So I grew up with emotionally unstable parents. I know a lot of emotionally unstable people. In my company, for leadership here, uh, essentially one other boss in this office besides me, the reason she's the boss and why I'm so proud of her is because she has extreme emotional control, uh, extreme emotional quotient. She has emotional discipline. She feels emotions, but she thinks before she does anything. She doesn't make people feel badly here. If we have issues, we sit down and think about how we're going to address this appropriately. If I'm out of line, she lets me know and vice versa. So we were talking recently about hiring somebody else to start running operations here. And her first thing was, who's going to be emotionally stable enough to take a position like this? That's what I'm looking for. The last thing I need is some baby coming here, stomping their feet, kicking fucking walls, acting like a child because they don't know what to do because mm -hmm. they're low intelligence levels. When I, For me, in my mind, and again, we're both not psych psychotherapists, when I see people misbehaving like that, I think to myself, there's got to be a correlation between low intelligence and low emotional control. I feel like the more highly intelligent you are, the more control you have over your emotions. I feel like there's a real correlation to that. I could be wrong, I'm not a scientist, but I wanted to say that. You know what I mean? I wanted to say that, and by the way, the author you were talking about is Adam Davis. Yes, thank you. Yes. Adam's Adam. a very good friend of mine. Uh, for a temporary time being, he was an instructor with Street Cop Training, just... Hmm. A little bit more of a uh, great keynote. He's one of the best keynotes you'll ever see in your life. You ever watch him speak? It's unbelievable. He's a really good friend of mine. That's my boy. He's on the podcast all the time. Um, he did our conference last year, spoke about his story. It was fucking profound. People were like crying and like couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. He's really one of the best people I know. We're, we're I think we're six days off in, in age. Uh, he sounds, if you ever meet him, he sounds like one of those guys who narrates Westerns. Mm -hmm. He looks nothing like it. Well, that's funny. I know what he looks like. He, By the way, he posted the other day on um, Instagram. I don't know if you saw it, where he was doing push-ups while also jack his feet off of a weight bench. Like, yep. good God. Um, that was impressive. And Yeah, but he, he you know, he, he actually is, this is a new transformation for him. He's reinventing himself physically. Uh, and again, these are things that he talks about publicly. It's not that I'm taking yeah. Dennis and Adam's private conversations and we have our own <laughs> private conversations of things. Um, you want me to fucking put videos? I'll put, I, I'm, I'm pretty good shape. I can do that shit too. Sure. Just so you know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that exercise and post it and tag me and say, how about this? Um, but anyway, uh, Adam, Adam, I love your book. Um, don't take any offense to what I said about the devotion today. I'm just saying that was not my experience of the brotherhood. 
Um, if anybody hasn't bought, is in law enforcement. If you have not already bought 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement. Well, it's Behind the Badge is the name of the book. Thank you. Yes. Behind um, the Badge. It's, 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 it's a really number good. one bestseller. Yeah. You should get it. It's, it's not expensive. I have it. I own it. It's worth it. Everybody should get it. I'm telling everybody listening to this, you should get the book and tell Adam I said so. Um, not that y'all haven't talked about it before. But anyway, um, I actually do three devotions every day. The Stoics, 366 daily devotions from the Stoics, which I think all law enforcement should study. Adam's devotion. And then I have another one that's more from the like yoga world because I love yoga. And they all, it's all, interestingly, like Adam's is very faith-based. The Stoics are the Stoics. And then the other one's more of like the yogic philosophy. Um, interestingly, they're all very similar um, in what they say and what you should strive for in life. And really this ties back into the conversation we're having is that everybody should do the, the hard work on being the best person they can be and looking inward to see, you know, what is it I can do about this? Um, you... Adam. Hi, bud. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, man, just over here working. Well, I have a, I have, we have Bridget Trixillo on the podcast right now, and she is a very, very big fan of Behind the Badge. Yeah. And I was trying to describe your voice to her. She said she watched your videos of you exercising recently. So did I. I don't want to tell you what I did to those videos. Can you hear him? Yeah, I can hear him. Yeah. Good morning, Bridget. How you doing? I'm good. I was telling about how I re I was reading your uh, the devotion this morning, talking about the brotherhood and how you always have the brotherhood. Um, I also said that was not my experience from leaving the brotherhood, but, and I also highly plugged your book that everybody needs to go buy it. Well, thank you. That's, uh, that's mighty kind of you. And if you, uh, if you're like Dennis here and you don't hear enough of Southern accents, I actually narrated that entire book, 11 hours of Southern draw, if you could stomach it. Uh, <laughs> I but stomach. I appreciate it. That book has done really well. And uh hope you'll check out the one that comes out in April and Concord. Well, I definitely will. And Dennis, you're right. He sounds like from he's from a western, but also I'm from North Louisiana, which is uh, which is like East oh, Texas. Yeah. And I that's where yep. where I grew up. That's how everybody talks. I don't know why I didn't get it. I just yeah, did. he's like this. He, this is what he sounds like. Oh, old Earl's in trouble now out there in the <laughs> desert by himself. Okay. What's he gonna do now? It's like you, you sound like you sound like the fucking guy. From the Dukes of Hazard, there to go them boys again, right? That's what you sound like, dude. <laughs> Somebody commented on one of my TikTok videos said that I sounded like Hawks from Bonanza. Yeah, dude. Yeah, except we're now starting to date ourselves in age because there's 23 year old kids in this office are like, the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck is Dukes of Hazard? Oh, what is Bonanza? The other day, I made a reference to Tammy Faye Baker because I like my eyelashes went crazy, and I was like, "Oh, I feel like I look like Tammy Faye Baker right now." And the girl looked at me like completely blank. I said, "Do you know who that is?" And she's like, "No." I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm getting old." <laughs> don't do that. You got to like pretend like just go like, "Oh yeah, you know." Like the kids here don't even—they've never like listened to. Well, I say the kids here, uh, they've never seen like something about Mary. Right? I've talked about this all oh the time. My oh my gosh. gosh, they've never seen the Austin Powers movies. Uh, what? what I know. <laughs> A travesty. Well, cool. I, uh, yeah. How did my, uh, I guess y'all are still recording. Or are you finished? Oh, we're recording, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this is, this is new. I hope y'all are doing good. Hey, since we're recording, check out the new book. It's releasing soon. You already Free said that, you, you cheap bastard. You fucking <laughs> you self serving son of a bitch. Adam, <laughs> Adam, just tell, Adam, just send me one. Thank, thank you for your kind words about behind the badge. It really means a lot. Well, I love it. I read it a lot of days. It's sitting right, sitting with my, all my daily meditation routine stuff. So I love it. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, Dennis, I'll holler at you about uh, the conference. I'll probably come up. Yes. I know what I'm looking forward to. One of those Adam Davis signature hugs. Let's do it. Oh, this man's the same age as me, but he embraces me like I'm his seven-year-old son. <laughs> I swear to God. And I'm like a pretty manly, like, like I'm six foot two twenty. He makes me feel like this dude could take me and do anything he wants of me at any time. Um, I think I'm older than both of you, by the way. Just saying. Yeah, dude, come on, we'll come up. We'll we'll get we'll get uh, we'll get festive. You know. Yep, sounds good, brother. Well, y'all have a good one. Enjoy the podcast. See you, buddy. I right, see. You. I'm older than you, by the way. I know. Just saying. 
We covered this last time. Well, you have a good memory. Good job. I do and I don't. I think there's some things that I remember. Um, what's interesting now at this point in my career is that I meet a lot of people. And the last thing I want people to do is feel badly that I don't remember them. Because I would probably be crushed if somebody that I admired did not remember me. And as a matter of fact, when somebody who I do admire remembered me, it made the world, it made like, it made my world. And that was Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, just the fact that he knows who I am is very exciting for me. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I just bought 50 books and I'm, in, I'm actually into the book. It's a really good book thus far. I got to give the guy props. I think the book is great. Uh, it's called Burn the Boats by Matt Higgins, who's Gary Vaynerchuk's basically business partner. Matt Higgins is a very interesting guy. And my friend Jane used to work with him. Like, I think she was his personal assistant. So I reached out to her last night because I spent the money on the 50 books to get a 15 to 20 minute coaching session with him, which is really badass because the guy is like his partner is um, the guy who owns the Dolphins. That's one of his partners. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's worth like $8 billion, Stephen Ross. So when you're looking for business advice, why not take it from a guy whose net worth is probably no question about it in the nine figure land and probably one day will be in the 10 figure land, then it's the billionaire folks. If those who are listening can't track on that, that's a, that's a billionaire. So when you're a guy who owns a business, you have to constantly look for the advice, but burn the boats is a great book. Um, and I think, I think it deserves recognition on here. I'm not somebody who's receiving royalties from promoting it. There's a lot of good, sure. good books that I put out up here. I guess before we go, I have a question for you. Well, one, the first one is, is what do you want to talk about? that we missed today because we always do this again, but what do you think about the, uh, the Laverne, Tennessee thing? And I, I, I ask you that question without us casting judgment, right? So I, as funny as these memes have been about this girl, I mean, I get a good chuckle out of them just like anybody else. In my mind, I really have deep heartfelt compassion for this girl um, in the sense that she is a human being. She probably just wants to, get away from this whole thing. Mm -hmm. She's stuck with this for the rest of her life. She's a very unique looking individual where I think some of the other guys maybe kind of almost could blend. She's just very, she's the center of it. You're not seeing them as much. If you mm -hmm. saw her out, you'd know who she is. She's got to live with this for the rest of her life. It's a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody in their mother makes poor decisions. You just didn't get caught. Right. Like all those things. She got caught, you know, she got caught. And yeah, there's some dire circumstances of, of her actions and consequences that she'll have to pay for the rest of her life. So I, I really do feel an immense amount of compassion because I, I make mistakes, too. And I would hope people would forgive me and, and try to see me for the human being that I am. I don't know her from Adam. Uh, fortunately mm -hmm. enough, her husband forgave her. But who knows the whole story behind it? But from an HR perspective as an attorney, tell me about your thoughts when you saw that shit. Oh. That one, as a female, that busted my ass to prove uh, tactically I could do the job. And having to fight against being the female, only female doing it, being a female that was girly. I mean, I, I can't ever look. I mean, I look like a girl. I mean, and I don't mean to offend anybody in any way about that in this world we live in. I'm just saying, like, when you hear me, I'm a girl. And, you know, I fought hard against that. I mean, I had to show, you know, 100% every time I show up, there's no half-assing it, just to bust my ass for it. And then you see somebody like that, knowing, boy, she got lost. She got way lost, you know, and I don't know, is it because she just wanted to be liked so bad that, she was willing, and then she it went too far. Like I've always said, I think the first time criminals, first time you ever, not me, but a criminal, first time a criminal commits a crime, it's, oh my God, oh my, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. And they don't. And then they do it again. And then they worry a little bit less. And then eventually you've committed 10 crimes and you never get caught. And you get to the point where it's no big deal to you at all anymore. So she went down that slippery slope of, oh, just, I don't even know what, it's just bad. And in a time when, all of law enforcement is fighting so hard to get past 
those very few bad apples, the, the very rare, really bad incidents like what, um, what happened in Memphis. And the women have to fight even that much harder to have any type of respect or what we, we feel like it, or that you have, you know, that you have to work so hard to get the respect from your own department or to be respected in your community. And to see something like that, you just feel like it takes you back like a hundred years. Um, you know, I'm in a lot of women law enforcement first responder groups. I, I get on, I give free legal advice and then their groups maybe once a month. Um, and that that group it gets it's been affecting everybody a lot like just they're upset about it the, the even the memes and like, to a lot of the women it's just not funny like so it's from an hr perspective it's a freaking nightmare but not in the way that the memphis situation is a nightmare um that one is like she's gone and you're right like she will be tainted and judged by this for a long long time um in a way men will not be and i'm fortunate but that's just the way things are and she'll have to do i hope she gets the help she needs to deal with all of it to pass us or to go to a deep dark place um and it's just sad it's just really sad as a female I just when i saw that like i just couldn't believe it like i was reading it and then i just didn't even want to read it anymore it was just it's just horrific but Attorney, there's that help. Like she'll have not because of that reputation. And then that is a is that an actionable case? Because that shouldn't impact in any, depending on what she wants to do later. But that is just it's just freaking sad that she just it's just sad. I want to just point out one thing about the Memphis situation and why our objective here at this company is so important and our mission. That was a complete training failure. I don't think if you actually in some way got to meet those gentlemen when they were filling out their application to become police officers ever saw themselves being charged with murder uh, years and years later. Uh, that's a complete training failure on every level. And that's what the problem is with in this profession. If we have to fix it. We have to train better. We have to have people. And I think there actually should be some responsibility for those who run the training budget and there should be criminal accountability on their behalf of what was their training like? What did it look like? And it brings me back to my, not even a theory, it's the proof. You got all these agencies that are like, ah, we don't have the funds for training. Really? Because they're about to cough about $14 million in, 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 a, in a settlement. Think what you could have done with that $14 million you're going to have to find now mm -hmm. to train and have a better Memphis police department and actually avoid all this in the first place. And this is the problem when you have people who have no business being politicians and and leaders not being thoughtful i'm not saying every leadership position at the memphis police department is a bad one or the leaders are bad but we have to try to understand what these politicians seek to have happen and training police is not one of them not by a majority of them uh, they only try to jump on the bandwagon when it's good for the goose and good for the gander and and what they'll sway whichever way it's going to be support the police hate the police, whatever is going to get those votes in. But the reality is, is don't talk out of two sides of your mouth. This could have been avoided. There is no doubt in my mind. There could have been a lot of compassionate um, training, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu put into place, a lot of stuff that these men and women had no training. Uh, supervisors undoubtedly knowing about things like this, not knowing how to supervise uh, processes in place that didn't allow the people who should have been supervising to pr promote. This is a, just a prime example of the complete training failure for law enforcement. And the scariest thing about me is mm -hmm. when they recognize that we need better training, when these politicians actually put their money where their mouth is, that they're going to pick the wrong fucking people to do it. And that's what I'm scared of the most. Because what they'll do is play the politics games and get their friends the contracts and the gigs. That is not who we need training these men and women. There are agencies like this one and other ones out there, not because I need the money, but we deserve the money because we have the solution to your problem. You can't go to your friend who was a, who was a chief somewhere, and now he can teach you how to do things. Folks, this industry is unique in and mm -hmm. of itself where you can go to any building where there's a police department and you might find some of the stupidest people are the ones in charge and some of the smartest ones are the ones not making any decisions at all. 
and that's public service for you. And when you say this, those idiots get very offended. That guy's anti-administration. No, we're not. Um, just, just admit it. Just say you don't have the solutions. You don't know what to do and relinquish it. You want to be the chief? Be great, right? That's fine. Be Learn how to lead. Learn how to be emotionally uh, you know, stable as a human being. Learn how to set examples. Learn how to do right by people. You don't have to have the solution to everything. Just because you were the chief somewhere or the lieutenant or the captain doesn't mean you know what you're supposed to be doing. I just know this. Like, and no, people are afraid to say this because they're afraid what's going to happen to them. Ah, I'm not afraid. I just, it is what it is. If we don't start addressing these things, nothing's ever going to change. And the scariest part about all of it is there are lives on the line. Uh, there are li- there are cops' lives who matter. Their, their kids want their fucking daddy and mommy coming home safely at night. Their brothers or sisters, their cousins, their friends, whoever it may be. Victims, less of them, cops, not no names on the walls. We've got to take some initiative here and take the responsibility. And we have. And we're not waiting for these people to show up. But Memphis was, and so was Minneapolis, one of the biggest training failures you'll ever see in your life. Because all I got to do is go through the training records and go, I'm not surprised that this happened. This is no shock to me that this went down like this. Look at what their academy looks like. Look at their in-service. Look at what their what their leadership looks like. Look at what they've been taught. And then there's always this solution. Oh, we'll, we'll give them sensitivity training. By who? Somebody they hate, they don't want to listen to, who hates the police, right? It's not working, you mm-hmm. morons. You're fucking so stupid. Relinquish it to people who can help you. We want the same thing you want. You just don't know how to get there. But there are people that know how to get there. You Just because you're somebody doesn't mean you're the perfect person to make the decision on the, on who we're going to go or how we're going to choose this path. It's And it makes me, you know, listen, I don't let it make me nuts. It just reminds me of why it's important for me to show up in the adversity of what I face daily. I felt it at a police academy yesterday. I just know it. And I was told later on, this guy doesn't like you. That guy talks shit about you to recruits, right? And I try to think about, where these people are and why they feel that way because they wish they were the people who could make the change, but they're not. And they're so fucking stupid that they're like, you shouldn't be doing passenger side approaches from a guy at this police academy who never did traffic stops ever. The guy never did traffic stops, works at an agency where prisoner transports. It's wild. And like, I'm the person who's subjected to like, I'm trying to fix it for everybody else. And this dude's trying to be somebody, but can't measure up and has to use whatever he's got to use to get into a position to try to pretend to be somebody in Peacock a little bit and influence those who can't talk back. It's the fucking craziest thing. And we're the voice for those people. People say, oh, you got a lot of influence on the on the younger generation of cops. Good. I'm fucking glad we're trying to procure a better cop, a better human being. I'm glad they're listening. I'm glad I look at this, these people and I'm like, you're not going to be here forever. You're most of you are almost done. Right. I'm excited my hand to God, Bridget. I'm excited to see the next generation. I think we got a real shot. No bullshit. I, I agree. I agree with that. I think that the new generation is coming into it eyes wide open. Because if you're coming into it the job now, you're coming into the job eyes wide open of what public opinion is like, of of issues that are are unfortunately on the news too much. Um, the Memphis situation, I to me was that. A big piece of that was, I talk about this a lot. I may have mentioned it in our last podcast. Another book that I really like is The Four Agreements by Dom Miguel Ruiz. And the second agreement is Don't Take Things Personally. And I think that is a huge piece of de-escalation is when somebody is talking back to you, fighting back from you, running from you, it has nothing to do with you and who you are. It has nothing to do with you. That's why I think it's so important that people study this uh, law enforcement. First responders study the Stoics because it's really not about, it's not about the happiness. It's not about the sadness. It's just, it just is. And if you can really study that and study, because it's more about what you have control over and what you don't have control over and you don't have control. Okay. And you know, as well as I do, your tactics control a lot. Um, so yes, you do have control over what can, how a situation could go down. Um, you can diffuse a situation where you're not going to fight. Maybe you don't always control that. Um, but I definitely think more studying of, and also very exclusive to this particular industry of law enforcement, where you have powers that 
most other jobs, most civilians do not have. You do, you are, legally have the right to fight people, to shoot people, to all those things I said earlier. And that makes it all the more important that you do the work to make it not about you. It's not about you. And yet, do the things that you know you need to do. Get the training. Study the stuff you need. Do the whole wellness, the, the, the a well-rounded wellness routine. Read the things. Educate yourself. Meditate. All the things that you can study the Stoics. Exercise. Eat right. Sleep. All the things. Make sure that you're socializing outside of law enforcement because you can get, it is so, it's, a, it's an all-consuming job. You need to be around people who don't give a shit that you're a cop or care and respect it, but that's not all that you talk about. When I'm met my husband we I had a, not my husband at the time Abby um I was six months I think out of the uh sheriff's office and and to come out of it that I was I'm a female I was the only SWAT team member I was an undercover narcotics and normally that's like it's all people want to talk about and so it became so much so that like I don't want to talk about it I'm so much more than that like it's not who I am and then also that went to shit and I lost that and then I was really like well then who am I without that well you're still you I'm still me you are the same person you are whether you have street cop pop the street cop training company or not like you're still you so when I met my husband, like he didn't give a shit. He did, he wasn't impressed by the SWAT stuff. And in a way it was very refreshing because he didn't care. Now I kind of want him to be impressed at least a little bit, but you know, that's my husband. Um, and apparently he's <laughs> impressed when he talks to other people about it. He like will brag about it, but never to me, which is funny. But anyway, I just think, you know, like you say, like doing the deep dive, everybody should do, all humans should do the deep dive work. But I think all the more so in law enforcement, train the tr the trainers how to train, train the trainers, the supervisors, the leaders, how to truly lead people. And I would be willing to bet, except for the few cuckoos that get through the, the, the you know, the gates when they shouldn't, which is pretty rare, I think, um, you would solve so many of the problems in law enforcement if you really put the time in. Like you said, I mean, how many hours do you, you think they spent? How much money do you think they spent on training you when you were a cop? How much money do you think they spent on me with the, you know, all the stuff that I did? SWAT training. I mean, all the, and I wasn't there as long as you, but still they spent a shit ton of money. And that was all, all went down the tubes, all, and it all came down to shitty leadership. Um, so I completely agree with you. I do think the the younger generation is going to make a difference. They're going to, because they are pushing back. They're pushing back and saying, this isn't good enough. Whereas the old, maybe like you and I, when we started, we probably wouldn't have pushed back as much. And we probably didn't. But now we're old enough to not care, number one. And number two, um, you got these younger people that just, they're willing to push the envelope. They're willing to ask for more. They see what's going on. And then when they become sergeants and lieutenants and captains and chiefs, sheriffs, they're going to do, you know, request, require more of their department and their people, hopefully. I mean, I'm just fingers crossed on that. I think we have a real shot. I really do. I, I believe that. I think so, too. I have to go. Positive Polly. Polly, I have to go. We All can right. do this again because I want to hear about anything that I've given you as far as books from last time. If you've taken any of my goddamn advice, I want to know. As your real business coach, not the one you fucking pay money to. She's a good business coach. She's also just trying to actually make me force me to like get paid from people instead of just talking and not getting paid. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, it. I'm a lawyer and what I know has value. So yeah. I get it. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I probably have some thoughts and ideas for that. No, don't give away the farm. I agree, but you got You got to give people information so they know that you're credible and valuable in what you offer uh, mm -hmm. beyond the 15 minutes or beyond the, the podcast that you did today. So this is awesome. I got to run. We got a one o'clock with JP Lane. And uh, he's a crazy story. He's a, a U.S. Uh, soldier who lost his – he's a double amputee. I met him at the SHOT Show. Uh, I think he's a, a sponsored by Under Armour. I don't know. We're going to find out more shit about his story. He was fucking cool-ass dude. I said, hey, man, whatever happened, thank you for your service and whatever it may be. And I really was compassionate about it. He goes, you don't got to thank me, dude. I have no qualms or any issues with why I look the way that I do because I believed in what I was doing. That was really cool for him to yeah. say. And we'll hear some of that shit yeah. in about fucking 12 minutes, but I'd like to get some food in my belly before I do that next yeah. podcast. And it was a pleasure seeing you and let's get back together soon. We will. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys.
Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher. So you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum, going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.